Hey, Jenna. Hi, Beth. Wow, what a surprise. What a gift it is, this mm. spontaneous podcast season with you. I love when, when these things happen, when we just decide to do something spontaneously, sporadically. Yes. It's like a great surprise. It's like a gift. Mm. Hence. <laughs> Beth just gave a talk last night about gifts, and she was like, the best gift is a surprise. Isn't that true? So this is our gift for you guys for Lent and for each other. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our hope really is just to walk with you through the Lent devotional, mostly because we love it so much. I mean, reading it today, I was dying. Really? Dying. I am so obsessed with this book. Yeah. I was like, every person in the world needs to read this book. I agree. Well, it's a universal experience, suffering. And so to have kind of a vision, (laughs) it's kind of a funny word, but a roadmap, which is how we kind of set out the devotional. Beth loves the word roadmap. Listen, what I'm saying is like to have, to, to be able to overlay a pattern and understand this is what suffering is. This is why I'm suffering. This is how the Lord uses suffering. This is the pattern for suffering in the life of Jesus. And if he lives in me, And my call, like through my baptism, I'm becoming one with him and my life is being conformed to him. I was made in his image and likeness. Then my suffering is going to follow that same pattern of death and resurrection. Yes. And I think that is so freeing to have that map, to have that key. That's the word I was looking for, to have a key. Yeah. That unlocks the meaning of suffering. Exactly. And this image is mind-blowing. I'm just going to be meditating on it far beyond Lent. It's scriptural, which is cool. It's deep, deep in it. It just burrows in. I don't know how I'm going to do this podcast season. Why? Because I just feel it very deeply, and I don't have any words for it. Listen, at 11 o'clock— Other than saying, wow, Claire really nailed that. (laughs) Nailed everything I wish I could have articulated about suffering or about my desire— to be grafted into God's heart. Claire said it. Yes. Yes. Literally at 11 o'clock last night, yeah. I was revisiting the devotional, yes. making some notes for today, and I, I thought, maybe even said out loud, the exact same thing. I don't know how to talk about this. No. I just find myself going, mm, yes. I like I'm expecting you to hear my thoughts even that I'm just like I'm going in yes. to the inner room <laughs> and I am feeling these words. Yes. And they are speaking to experience that I've had or am having. I'm just sitting with it. Well, to intro this, I'm Jenna. I'm Beth. And as Beth said, we will be walking with you. As we go through this Lenten journey, mm. reading and praying with, keyword praying with, yes, new wine, the Blessed Is She Lent devotional for 2023. That's the thing, friend. Tell me. I think what we're both describing of this, like, I don't have any words. When I read this devotional, when I read every day, essentially, I don't even want to talk about it. I want to pray with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. I even felt that about the Vizio. I'm like in that art. Yes. You know? 
everything is just crazy, you guys. Well, the image is unbelievable. Yeah. And we didn't come up with that. We didn't come up with this language, this metaphor. This is the gospel. This is the tradition of the church. You see it in the art, this idea of Christ in the wine press, that his experience of suffering, his passion, his death, and eventually we, you know, we're, we live on the right side of history. We know the resurrection comes forth through that way of suffering, the way of the cross. But the church and the gospels have given us language and images to understand what suffering accomplishes in us because of what it accomplished in Jesus, that he was pressed like grapes being made into wine. And the Visio, I think, is particularly helpful because we don't live in like a an agrarian, I think that's the right word, culture, right? We're so disconnected from the process of winemaking and food production that we don't maybe even understand that. We might have um, kind of comical images of like standing in a vat of grapes and like stomping them with our feet. Yeah, I saw an I Love Lucy episode like that. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I think that's most people's (laughs) understanding of a wine press, right, is that the grapes are trodden in that big vat. But really there there is such a thing as a wine press that applies this pressure to the grapes and really crushes them so that all of the juice comes out. That's mm-hmm. after kind of the stomping, just that kind of loose, rough breaking up. Now the wine press really gets everything out, all of the goodness out. And that's ultimately what Christ submitted himself to. Mm-hmm was to suffer in that wine press, to feel that that pressure and to give everything, like every last drop, one drop of his precious blood could have accomplished it, but he gave everything. For what? So that he could be with us forever because we can't do it ourselves. Because of our own sin, we are totally incapable of saving ourselves. And so he did it for us. We're incapable of giving back to the Father what he deserves, this this perfection, this gift of self, this total gift of love. We cannot do it. And so Jesus did it. Yeah, you know, right away, Father John Parks, the one and only, yeah, hits it out of the park. I was in my head. I, I heard the swing of the bat. Crack. The crack. The crowd goes wild. That's how I felt reading that intro. I absolutely agree. (laughs) I was like, wow, Father, this is good. Okay, what? Tell me everything. And I feel like there's like a thesis in there. Yeah, yeah. That I, you guys know, I like thesis. Totally. Theses, one thing to come back to. So it's on the forward page. I didn't get, I mean, I got far, but I was like drowning in grace and presence of God while reading this book. I know. (laughs) I think if we were to not edit these episodes, there would be a lot. I'm just prophetically, I'm seeing this. There would be a lot of us just looking at each other, smiling and like shaking our heads. Like if you're watching on video, it's exactly what Jenna's doing right now. Like, yeah. It's crazy. What Jesus does with the Eucharist, takes it, blesses it, breaks it, and shares it. The Lord desires to do with you. Okay, what? We're just going to let that breathe for a minute. (laughs) Oh, man. What? Okay. Wow. He seeks to break you of your selfishness, Mm. what we call sin. Mm. 
And he desires to send you into the world empowered by that same love to help set others free. Okay, hang on. A lot just happened and I need a minute. Okay, I need just a minute. Can we can we take a similar breath after the second line? Because I have something downloading in me. He seeks to break you of your selfishness, what we call sin. Here's the thing. Here's the beauty of Jesus. He is not breaking us of our selfishness, of our sin, hmm. because we're bad. That is not a behavior modification. This is not get your stuff together. You need to get rid of this stuff, which I think for many of us, even me, I can still come into Lent with this idea of like, I've got to deal with my stuff. I need to get better. I need to be better. But this, this, this breaking us of our selfishness, what we call sin, is because he wants us to be free. Yes. Because he loves us. Because he wants us to live with joy and peace. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I don't know. That just, I felt that very deeply that it's not like I need to break you of this so now we can be at peace together. Mm -hmm. It's I want to break this for you. I'm inviting you into this process with me because I want you to experience my life within you. Well, yeah, that's what he says. What Jesus does with the Eucharist takes it. And I just imagine the Lord being so gentle. Mm -hmm. Just who he is, mm -hmm. is a gentle lover. You know? Yes. Takes it. He takes us, breaks it, blesses it, and shares it with others. Mm. Like the new wine that he creates in our lives, in our own personal sufferings, in our own circumstances, in our own grief, he uses it and shares it with the rest of the world, shares it with our families, with our friends. Yeah. He's so gentle with us yeah. and kind and good. And I have been praying so much lately just to be like in union with Jesus's heart. Mm. I've been praying a lot and feeling called into a deeper devotion to his sacred heart. And in that, to be united yes. to his heart. And there was this one reflection that I really loved that I read that said, remove every fiber of self-love from my heart so I can be even closer to your heart. Yes. And that's what I feel about this. This mm. is not like I am so selfish and God's got to fix me. Like I so badly want to be holy, naked, mm. one. Jesus's heart, my heart, yes. one. Yes. <laughs> and in order for that to happen, he will purify me. And can I just say, I just want to weep at that. That's what Jesus wants too. Yeah. It's so beautiful that that's your desire. That's what he wants too. And this breaking, it's not so much, it's not rehabilitation. It's heart surgery. Maybe yes. that sounds cheesy, but like it's on a a cellular level. Claire uses that language of this union, this grafting happens on a spiritual cellular level. It's the call for every single Christian. It's the invitation is to this oneness. Can we even imagine this is not just us wanting to be closer to God. This is first of all, his movement and his desire to be one with us. And that process 
of the two becoming one, which is already happening every time we receive the Eucharist. It's already happening and it's happened and it's happening because he gives himself to us totally here and now. And yet there is this purification process that we might feel and understand and live from this place of union more and more and more. Mm-hmm. To send us into the world empowered by that same love to help set others free. I want to see a world where people are walking around free. Mm-hmm. Free from the bondage of habitual sin. Free from the bondage of trauma. Mm-hmm. Can I just add something I've been reflecting on and feeling more and more prompted to pray with is like free from the bondage of apathy. Yes, yes. Free from the bondage of this is all there is. Mm. Like this life and pleasure and family, like even good things, but like free from the bondage of of just living in the shallows. Yes. Living in distraction, living for pleasure, living for the next good thing. I want... Yeah, like a sensual good thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For the next treat. Yes. Yeah. But I, I mean even like good things, that there's even more... Because then, even if you give your heart totally to loving and serving your family, people die. Yeah. This life does come to an end. But the hope of the gospel, the hope of this journey is that there's more. Mm-hmm. There is an eternal more. That scripture says we can't even imagine. So yeah, there's some, like an open, like a mm. scales falling from our eyes to see there's so much more, not only out there, but here and now. There's a depth and a richness and an access to the heart of God through creation, through people, through prayer. There's just more. Yes, but we have to, as the Lord says. We have to fall like that grain of wheat to the earth and die. Because if we remain alone, living for this life for ourselves, living as slaves to sin, we remain alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That like rule of spiritual multiplication is so supernaturally effective, I don't think we can even see. We really do need the Lord's help to perceive what you're talking about here, that if we allow Jesus to gently, tenderly pull apart every fiber, right, any any fiber of self-love so that our union can be more and more complete in love. That's what we're talking about. This might sound kind of supernatural or like high level, but just a, a oneness in love then we're empowered to go out into the world and to share and to give and to, to show that same love that will set others free. Yes. I remember a couple of years ago, I had just started meeting with my spiritual director. Mm. And I said to her, man, I am a total sanguine. Like <laughs> sanguine to the core. Sanguine penguin. Yes. And I love being a sanguine. Yes. I like love everything about it. Probably because I'm a sanguine. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We just love (laughs) (laughs) love loving life. 
Um, but we sanguines have the reputation for living in the shallows mm. at times. Mm-hmm. And I even expressed to her, like, I'm kind of okay with being in the shallows. Mm. I'm okay with just having a simple faith mm. and not needing to go deep. And I don't know. I don't know if that was complacency, apathy, mm. a fear, actually. This is probably more what it is, a fear that there wasn't actually depth to me, mm. that I didn't have more in my heart. There yeah. wasn't a well. It was like a little sweet little pond. Mm. Lord and I were just floating around in, hanging out in splish splash. But that there's a well in my heart. Yeah that the Lord has more and more to uncover and to reveal and to show me the depth of his love and how deeply that love can be rooted into my heart. And I had no idea. Yeah. And so I just want to say in Jesus' name that the veil be lifted from any one of us who feels that we do not have depth Mm -hmm. or there's nothing more for God to do in us or the healing is not going to come for us, or this is all there is to life and there's not more to it. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that. There is more for you. There is more for me. There is a depth within you that the Lord has yet to even pierce. Mm -hmm. And when he does, and when we finally say, I want more, our lives will radically change. Yes. I just thought that was so inspired by the Lord, how you you talked about lifting the veil, because you always had the depth. It's not like you had a pond and then you started praying for a well and then he dug it. It was always there, but there was a block somehow to even seeing that and accessing that in yourself. And the Lord had to give you the grace to go there. I was reading a book recently And you and I have talked a lot about this phenomenon, right? That there are just certain kinds of people and maybe everybody doesn't, they're not drawn to the depths, right? (laughs) They're happy, like splashing in the shallows. And this author just said, every single human person has the capacity for depth. Wow. This is not even a question, Hmm. but not everyone has been shown how to access that with the Lord. Wow. That lifted the veil for me Mm because I think I had wondered in all the people that I talked to and all different seasons of life, it's like, okay, well, maybe let me actually not put it on them. It actually is me thinking maybe I'm the weirdo that like I I like (laughs) am drowning in the depths all the time. I have no time for small talk. I want to immediately go to the depths, which is actually exhausting. But it's all I want. And I think I had been feeling like maybe I'm not boundaried or something. So I actually think it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. This like fear of like, is my spiritual life and my temperament and like, is something kind of wrong with me? And I just rebuke that in Jesus name, Mm -hmm. because you can feel it on the other side too. Yes. Like I want so much more and, and I'm never satisfied. That's a beautiful thing. That's a good thing. In Jesus' name, we bless that desire for more. Yes. We're literally, we've only talked about the preface, and it seems like you're not even moving. No, I can't move on. Okay. If you allow it, mm-hmm. if you allow it, 
This book can be a wine press in our Lord's hand where he is making you new for the world's good and for his glory. Here's the thing. I'm crying. I And that's not, I like have tears in my eyes. I Even these three words, this entire paragraph above, a wine press. I just need a holy hour, you know, if we allow it. And this is the thing, if we allow it, whether you're a sanguine penguin, whether you're, which I am a sanguine, but I like live in the deep, no matter your temperament, no matter your relationship with the Lord, your experience of prayer, your level of formation, we get so tied up with all that kind of stuff. No matter, your life is presenting you circumstances that will bring out the life of Christ in you. You don't even have to go looking for suffering. Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh, I'm in a good place, like the wine press, that seems kind of intense. I promise you, you've been there before. And if you allow Jesus to take the lead, not go digging on your own, but if you just enter into and look at him in the visio, look at him imaginatively in prayer, your own life story will be found through the lens of looking at Jesus's suffering. Mm-hmm. It will make sense and there will be a deeper surrender to that process of being pressed what i'm trying to say is you're already suffering so let's allow him (laughs) to press us let's submit with him it's not even we're doing it for him or Mm. let's allow him to make new wine of the suffering that we're already going through yeah I think, Jenna, what I loved about your words in the introduction, which were kind of different. It wasn't like story so much Mm -hmm. as like it was like a very deep just reflection of your own experience of suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think I relate to it. I feel it very deeply. This desire when we're in suffering to understand it. Yes. And I think what the image of the wine press with Christ, first of all, Christ in it and then us entering into it with him, kind of the need for meaning or the need for understanding why, why this happened, you know, becomes meaningful, full of meaning because we're in it with Christ and he's bringing out a new wine, new character in us, new virtue, new love, not in terms of our performance, but as evidence, as overflow of of our union with him. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to a friend and we were praying with each other and she said, Lord, I want to thank you for the suffering. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting because I had prayed right before that and I had wanted to thank him. Wow. But she was like very deep in suffering. Yes. And I didn't want to thank him for it because I didn't want to hurt her. Yes. And say, like, thank you for the suffering that my dear friend is going through. Yes. And then she started praying. Wow. And that was the first thing she said. Wow. And so I think it goes back to what you were saying. It gives the suffering meaning. Yes. And so because of that, we can say and look to the Lord in deep suffering and mm-hmm. say, thank you. Mm. Like, I surrender to this God, to what you carefully and lovingly and intentionally are doing 
to my heart and to my life. Mm-hmm. I submit to you. Yes. It was crazy. I read a book last year, just after Christmas, called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And I actually had it on my Amazon wish list because I wanted to get it for Jenna. I was bookmarking it. But my mom saw it and she bought it for me for Christmas. We kind of both just were like, well, the Lord must want you to read that. So I read it, devoured it. And there is one particular scene. It's a a true story of this family who is a part of the resistance during World War II in the Netherlands, I think. And the two sisters ended up in a concentration camp. And they were moved at one point to a second barrack. And it was much larger. There was just a lot of infighting and hopelessness and anger, of course. And it was a much more international barrack. So there was also just the frustration of not understanding each other. And and when they got there, the, the first day when they were moved and they put down you know, their few belongings on this bed they discovered that barrack was infested with fleas. And the one sister, (laughs) Betsy, said they had a Bible. They were miraculously were able to kind of smuggle this Bible with them throughout multiple prisons and, and now this concentration camp. And she said, what were we just reading this morning? Give thanks to God in all circumstances. And so they started praying, like, what can we thank him for in a concentration camp? Thank you that we're together. I mean, the miracle that these two sisters were able to be together in a barrack in this suffering is a grace. So thank you, God, that we're in it together. And they went on and on. And the one sister said, thank you for the fleas. (laughs) And Corey was like, that is too far. I cannot thank God for the fleas. And she said, all circumstances. I mean, she was like, had such faith, you know. And so they thanked God for the fleas. And... This barrack, like through just the light of Jesus in them and reading and sharing the gospel with these women, the atmosphere changed. Hmm. They were able to bring hope to these women and they would crowd around this like one broken light bulb and do Bible studies and people would lead prayer in in different languages and sing songs. Hmm. And it was so in this utter poverty, this place of like hopelessness and devastation of profound suffering and fear just this unrelenting fear, you know, of living life or death every single day. They had hope and they had joy and they had peace because of the word. So come to find out months later that because that barrack was infested with fleas, the SS officers avoided it. That's how they were able to hold these Bible studies and to have more freedom to love and to be with one another, to serve one another, because they weren't under that constant persecution anytime they were in the barracks. So Mm -hmm. thank God indeed for the fleas. I think what you're describing too is that you really can't rush that process for Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But that is ultimately what the Lord is doing, I feel, in this devotional and in my own life, just a deeper gratitude for the suffering Mm -hmm. because of my belief in Jesus and who he is and how he suffered, his own witness of it. And again, having this key now because of his passion and death that I understand through the lens of scripture, through the lens of his own life, that this is what he's doing in my own suffering too. Yes. As you said, 
it brings meaning to the suffering. Yes. And I've heard people say that a lot. Like, I'm uniting my suffering to Jesus. Mm. Or I'm offering up this pain point to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I never understood it. And I'm not sure why I do now. Well, I think it's because you've lived it. Sure. I'm not entirely sure that people know what they're saying Okay. when they say that. Yes. I'm I mean, not even sure I know what. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, and I say this a lot. But someone can say something slightly, the same thing every single day, but say it slightly differently. Yes. And that day it clicks. Yes. Grace, how they say it, the Lord. Totally. And so for some reason, I'm not going through suffering and gritting my teeth mm. and saying, Lord, I'm just offering this up to you. Yeah. This is for you. I'm like coming face down, face planted in my complete dependence at our Savior's feet. Mm. And that's what he is, is our Savior. And so I know I'm being saved in the midst of the suffering. I'm being held by him. Yes. It's almost like I'm like, Lord, I'll just like set this at your feet. And instead he's like, no, would you come into my lap? Here we go. Okay, so this, what you're describing, it's the difference between white knuckling. Yes. It's kind of um, impersonal, like, I'm offering this to you. It's almost a denial, actually. Yeah. It feels like that's the virtuous response. Yes. But the heart of Jesus, the tenderness of Jesus is, I know. Yes. I suffered. Will you come and let me hold you in it? We're doing this together. We're being crushed together. Totally. There was one line that Claire said in this first week, the beginning of Thursday, After Ash Wednesday, page six. There is no part of our experience of suffering that Jesus Christ did not first take upon himself. There is no part of our experience of suffering. Every single thing that you and I suffer through, Jesus has done it before. It was the next line for me. Jesus Christ does not ask us to sip from a cup from which he didn't first drink. No. And then she talks about the different uh, sorrow in all of its different blends. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yes. I think for both of us, we've experienced more recently intense physical suffering. And so I think that was almost a leveling up of this understanding of meaning and union and suffering. But before that, we'd been no stranger. None of us have been strangers to emotional, mental, spiritual pain and sorrow but to your point jesus drank first from that cup even in those three days alone every kind of humiliation every kind of torment every kind of suffering he endured what does that mean to you how does that change things for you i'm a great lover of the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary because of the physical suffering that that season that you and I went through at the same time last year. This has been a process over years, over more than a decade, of kind of being averse to the Sorrowful Mysteries, to Holy Week in general. It was so painful that I didn't want to go there. I just wanted to get it over with. Mm -hmm. And it's only the grace of God. There's like a 
surrender into it. And I know that's kind of a religious word. It's more of a feeling in my body, just like this, like settling into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of it. And here's here's the answer to your question is, I have a place Mm -hmm. to go. And it's actually the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary that helps me to enter into that. In every kind of suffering, Jesus has been there, and I can actually go and be with him there. Mm-hmm. He's gone before me. It's a hiding place. To reference the title of that book, really to reference scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. he, he's called again and again in the Psalms and our hiding place. Mm-hmm. And so I can not retreat, like run from, Mm. but like find shelter in, yeah, find shelter in the suffering of Jesus. And it's not scary when it's with him. Mm. It's so counterintuitive. It's so paradoxical that in this profound suffering that I can go imaginatively, I can be in those mysteries of Christ's suffering, bring my own suffering and now the overwhelming feeling of that suffering is love mm. and union, mm. intimacy, understanding. Yes. The hard edges of the suffering soften and blur because now all I see is him. Yeah. It's like, for me, I can imagine it as like everything being a little bit foggy before. Mm. And now I have like clarity and spotlight on the person. Yeah. You know? Yes. I never quite knew the meaning of it or again was like living in the shallows of like there maybe there's not more it's just meant to be a mystery yeah and now it's clarity in the god Mm -hmm. who suffered and died for us and there's such comfort in my king who's gone before me i think where i've been the most surprised This experience we're talking about is so deeply personal, it's mutual. Mm -hmm. So it's not just me looking at Jesus being crowned with thorns and kind of studying him, like I'm watching a piece of art and appreciating it. It's somehow a co-sharing. It's deeply mysterious. There's a mutuality to it. And If I can, I'll I'll share maybe for me what kind of unlocked this. After this time of of COVID pneumonia that we both went through last year, there was a lot to walk through coming out. It wasn't like we were sick and then we were better. It was just complications and anybody who's ever or is walking through some kind of like illness understands it's just so multi-layered and complicated. And so I was having so many issues with my lungs and breathing and sleeping. So I had this sleep test done. My pulmonologist ordered it. And so one night I had the nose cannula taped to my face. I had an oxygen monitor on my finger. I had a heart monitor wrapped around me. And I just, I like to sleep in a certain way. And this was like very uncomfortable and unusual. And I'm like stressed, like they're not going to be able to get a reading because I'm, I'm actually not able to sleep. And this is horrible. You know, everything's worse at night. And at one point in the middle of the night, I, I just grabbed my rosary because that had really been my lifeline. The Sorrowful Mysteries in particular had been just my deep consolation during that time. And I began to pray the first Sorrowful Mystery, the agony in the garden. 
And I was sort of, you know, trying to escape in prayer. We've talked about this. Trying to go to another place and kind of not think about myself, not think about my suffering. Think about the suffering of Jesus, you know. And, And I was kneeling and praying beside him. And he turned and looked at me. And he was wearing the nose cannula taped to his face. And when he reached out, he had the pulse, an oxygen monitor on his finger, and he had a heart monitor. It was so simple. You know, it wasn't a kind of physical suffering. It was more the mental anguish of not having answers and not sleeping. And I was so moved that he honored my suffering. Does that make sense? Yes. That's a word and an experience that I've been coming to understand. And Mm. it's one of the things that's made me fall most in love with Jesus is how he honors my suffering. He honors me. He honors my story and my desires just with his attention. Mm -hmm. He doesn't diminish it like you think you're suffering, you know, because I'll do that with him. Like, why am I even... What do I have to complain about? Look at Jesus on the cross, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's not actually how Jesus thinks about our suffering. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thanks. How many I told you that before? No, I never heard it. Are you serious? Yeah, it's crazy. It's one of the most, like, vivid moments of prayer of my life. Wow. Like, I'm looking at him right now. Mm-hmm. I can see him so clearly. And just, like, the compassion. Yes. And the pain. Mm-hmm. He was in the suffering with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, because if I did not have that night, I would never have known mm-hmm. how you look at me mm-hmm. and how you suffer with me. Yes. It reminds me of what Claire said again. <laughs> thank you, Claire, on page 10. Our deepest wounds become the very place of encounter with the suffering servant and his entry point into our inner life. Here we go. But uh, my question is, someone who has like an extremely deep wound, Mm. how, okay, like I remember I had a really, really difficult postpartum period with one of my babies. And... I felt extreme suffering, extreme confusion, anguish, anxiety, very high stress, all of the horrible words you could think of. Mm -hmm. Like I felt them very deeply in Mm -hmm. my body and in my mind. It's a visceral experience. Yes. Tired. Yeah. And I knew the Lord was very close. Mm. But I also... I think we think I'm not really praying if I'm not having set aside prayer time, which I am a very huge advocate of. We each of us needs to have set aside, dedicated personal prayer time with the Lord for intimacy. But when we are in periods of deep suffering and it's almost impossible, call a spade a spade, it is impossible. I don't know the entry point to explain that. Other than saying his entry point is the deepest wound. I don't know. But how do we open ourselves up to that? If you're not in it right now. Or you're no, saying if, if you are in if it If you right are now, in it. How did you feel him so close? I think it must have been a grace of faith. Yeah. yeah. 
at that time, I was advised to have like a little prayer basket next to her bed, next to my rocking chair in her nursery. And one of the things that I put in the prayer basket was a a crucifix. Mm. And we also put them in all of our bedrooms also. So there's one like above her bedroom door. And the only thing I remember ever doing the whole time was just looking at him and saying, I'm offering my body in the way that you offered your body. Like this is all I can do is to like be an offering and you are an offering. And so I I think I just felt united Mm. in the same offering of our bodies. But like, is that prayer? You know what I mean? Yes. I know it is. Yeah. And I think if, if I, I mean, I, you know me, I want to stay just in your heart. Yeah. But I think what you're asking is how do we encourage you to pray? Yeah. Too. And I think when I think about for both of us, those profound graces of intimacy and suffering, how do we invite you to have that same experience? Well, first of all, it is grace. And the fact that you're here and the suffering that you've had, the invitation is for you. You don't have to wonder, like, is that for me? It is. But I would say what I hear in in both of our experiences is that there was a a tool. <laughs> I don't I don't love that word. Mm. But the church gives us these gifts. The rosary and a crucifix. And the thing itself wasn't the power yeah to give us that intimacy, but it gave us a reference point. Yes. to enter in. Well, that's huge. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So I think for you to be able to look upon the crucifix, that was all you needed. Yes. And for me, I could not pray unless I had the rosary in my hands and and began those meditative Hail Marys so that I could enter into the mystery. Even though I was trying to escape from the suffering, Jesus honored it. He brought it to the forefront, and there was a healing balm Mm in that encounter in suffering. But for me, it was the rosary, and for you, it was the crucifix that were the reference point. It's almost like the wound in Christ's side, right? That's what gives us the access to his pierced heart. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think the rosary is like the act of me sticking out my hand and putting it in his side. Mm -hmm. And for you, it was looking upon him in the crucifix. Mm -hmm. It's not about the wound in his side. It's about his pierced heart. And those other things just give us access to his pierced heart. Yes. And our own pierced heart, you know? Yes. I loved the beautiful analogy that Claire shared also of the wineskins. And that we need new wineskins for this maturing and growing in deeper recognition, deeper love with the Lord. Yeah. At one point, she describes them as like tired and brittle. Mm -hmm. And I've felt that in my own soul. Those times, those seasons where we're just brittle and it won't work. Like what the Lord wants to do, it won't work with this same tired, brittle heart of mine, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's not only that he wants new wine, right? It's that he wants new wine skins. He's making us entirely new. Yes. So really to close out on on page 12 at the top, 
that the movement of the spirit ever stretching and, and expanding, pulling us into a deeper and greater reality would stress our spirits beyond their capacity, if not for the maturing of love and sacrifice. Mm. Suffering has carved out capacity for us to receive the spirit. Like this new wineskin of suffering has made more way for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Has made our capacity bigger yeah. for more of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we're having these conversations because I do think it's imperative to have this vision, this hope, this hope for being made new wine, for new wineskins, for like new elasticity. That's a word Claire uses that I just like love. It's imperative that we have that hope. Otherwise, the suffering crushes us, Mm -hmm. just crushes us, Mm -hmm. period, end Mm -hmm. of story. But that's not the end of the story with Jesus. So I'm glad that we're kind of in this together, and we truly are. We're in this with you and and processing this with you and healing with you and being made new with you this Lent. Yes. Well, should we pray? Yes, please. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of this moment. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for the Holy Spirit for the love of the Trinity that is poured into our hearts. I just had this image of us, Mm -hmm. each of us being the uh, blind man on the side of the road, and the disciples come and say, hey, the teacher's calling you. And we just throw off our cloak and we run to him. And so God, I just ask that whatever cloak is holding us down, whatever fear is holding us down, whatever sin is holding us down. Whatever thoughts about ourself, God, lies that are holding us down from coming to meet you, I rebuke those in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And I ask God for the courage to throw off that cloak and to run to you, to finally see you, God, with clarity to see all you've done for us, Father, all that you desire for us, a union with us, God, an intimacy with us that we cannot fathom. God, we run into your arms. Lord, I thank you for the words in this book. I thank you for new wine and for how you will work your Holy Spirit through what is written on these pages to pierce our hearts and to go even deeper with each one of us, to come even closer to each one of us. Lord, that this suffering would be all for your glory, Mm. for the good of the world, for the salvation of souls. You are such a good father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you, Beth. Cannot wait for next week. See you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.